Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. If you're a fan of the show and you're on Facebook and you haven't joined the Hawk and Cleaver Facebook group, then you're missing out, my friend. You're missing out on the movie nights, the book club, Joshua Boucher's Choose Your Own Misadventure series, the flash fiction writing prompts, and soon we'll be doing a drawing competition where we are all going to do a rendition of Kez, the managing editor of The Other Stories, the great evil management team of one, part hawk and part-time butcher and full-time menace to society. So if you want in on that, head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver and join today. Please be warned, in today's episode there is some graphic and racy content that may not be suitable for younger ears, so please cover your child's ears. Also, I've heard reports of your child's ears coming to life and destroying small towns in Norway, so please cover them. Anyway, on with the show. Today's episode is Things Not Done, written by JT Shields and narrated by Alexandra Elroy. Late afternoon, in the city, the kind in which heat hangs around the concrete, distorting the air ahead as the street gasps for breath. I'd walked this way a hundred times or more. The same shop fronts, the bustling bus stops and hum of traffic, which should have been a perfect fit of familiarity for the contours of my brain. It wasn't. It was also different. 
tiredness warped my senses, creating an uncomfortable world of sharp edges. The things I knew had become additional barriers to traverse. The world hadn't changed. I had. It was my first journey out with the baby. The bouncing buggy shook my arms, wheels caught against the curbstones, throwing my body forward painfully into the contraption. At that moment I heard the baby stir, its lungs preparing for battle once again. I moved more quickly, despite the dizziness, the throbbing against my eyes and the ripeness of my sweat pulling clothes closer. Aware of the springs, the shiny metal legs and multitude of unfathomable clips hanging from this new wheeled appendage, all I could do was trundle forward. Of course we attended all the classes, read all the books, birth plans carefully drawn up, all the things we could possibly need, I ticked off checklists and readied around the house. The birth had been three days of pain and anxiety. Coffee had seen him through the hospital. The uncertainty and the inability to do anything. He was useless. When he took my hand, his fingers slipped with drowsiness, his eyes partly shutting. Still, I squeezed at his skin, hating him through gritted teeth and clenched fingers. The midwife said we could go. We wandered back to the car, less than a day after its emergence. On that careful drive home, my fingers resting against a tiny body, it all seemed manageable. Then came the screaming. That's when I knew. An empty heart lurked in the shadows of my smile. An unpleasantness. I'd wanted to confess from the moment they had thrust its body against my skin. Surely we should have a connection, some positive reinforcement of my choice to have a child. Instead, the wailing from quivering jaws created a thickening in my throat. I whispered. Still, it screamed. In the absence of sleep, I walked. At first pacing the house, this tiny creature in my arms. Its cries bouncing off the walls, always returning, pushing into the tissue of my brain. The pressure building until I knew it would burst. In the hallway, still unused, I looked at the pram. I'm going out with it, I call. He looks at me. There was no light in his eyes, only rings of darkness. The steady rock, the gentle squeak of springs, the rumble of tires lulled the cry into whimpering and eventually nothing. <sighs> still I pushed, my pulse racing against the stillness. At the edges of my sight everything fluttered out of focus, leaving me with a single tunnel of clarity. I had to keep moving. I ploughed through High Street shoppers. My reflection was a skimming stone against the shop windows. Until I found myself outside of Morgan's music. Guitars hung at jaunty angles behind the display. A piano sat at the forefront, its shiny black casement fresh and polished as my own had once been. I often stopped to enjoy the instruments. Finally, a moment of familiarity. It was ridiculous to admit, I saw a life I had never chosen behind that glass. 
I wondered what if. Usually I'd bask in the faraway melancholy for a moment, reflecting on that single decision. A moment in which I'd let that possibility slip away. Only now it was overwhelming. A sadness, so intense it cut into me, scraping against my ribs and compressing my lungs. In my shudder the light caught against the window, the instruments disappeared and I'm left with an even more sorrowful vision. I saw myself. Suddenly that's all I could focus on. The translucent figure, hair wild, body bloated in the storefront's reflection, too unlike my mirror image to accept. I reached my hand across the window, wanting to sweep away the illusion. The distorted double reached out to me. Our fingertips touched. If I could have fallen away for a moment, I imagine I would have. To float in the warped viscosity, observing the world. Only the muffled hum of life getting through. The other me looked back. Oh, the frenzied humming of my heart at that drowning. The space inside my head closed in, warping my thoughts into the sudden horror of myself. Baby cried. Surely I'd only been a moment. Its shrillness drifted into my display, tugging at me. Heads turned in my direction, angry faces whispered to one another, people stopped walking to see my neglect. I'm not fucking killing it! I wanted to shout, but I didn't. Instead, I continued on jellied legs and sinking feet while the laser eyes burned into my back. Don't cry. My motherless words were empty on the air. Everybody would know we were imposters forced together. Darkness saved me from it all. A narrow alleyway led me away from the pounding feet of shoppers. The smell of piss stung my nose as soon as I'd pushed the pram into the confines. Urine splash marks decorated the brickwork, still seeping into a foamy stream. I carried on. The passage twisted around on itself, sloping, darkening like the spiral of a helter-skelter taking me deeper. We passed under a tunnel, cries echoed against the dark and my gritted teeth. I emerged, my eyes blinded at the sudden glare. I pulled the pram to a halt. Canals don't make the rushing sound of a river as it meanders against nature's banks. Instead, there is a stillness as the water sits thick, unmoving, murky against the afternoon sun. The city's filth leached through drainage pipes, releasing a powerful odor of decay across the walkways. The wheels of the pram sat on the edge of the bank. Another step, or a less secure grip, would have seen the fabric and metal sink under the water. The front wheels span freely as they rested off the ground. Looking around, at first I think I am alone, except for the screeching creature balancing on the edge of the canal. This baby ripped into the hidden, unpeeling, scraping at who I was. It was the first time it had been the two of us. 
I moved the pram away from the water and reached inside for the baby. Her body is fragile against my own. Not for the first time, so many worries pushed down against me. Somebody was watching. She stood on the opposite side, looking into the rippling water as it bubbled in front of her. The baby cried, the gentle bouncing in my arms a useless gesture, showing me up against the stranger. Jostling, my fingers slipping, I tried to speak to the thing in my arms with inaudible murmurs. As I moved the bundle from one arm to the next, trying to support every part of its body, its cries grew louder. The woman glared, a statue, not even responding to my weak smile, quickly thrown at her. The odd bubble still popped on the surface in front of her where she stood, while the rest of the canal is deathly still. My walk, with both hands held against the child, became a display as her watchful glare crawled across my skin. There, there, I say. The words are odd and pointless on my tongue. My mouth opens too soon, so I can't think of what to say next. Instead, I glance back at the woman, my stomach turning over, my tired brain already processing the details I'd not wanted to admit. She stood in the same position, only her head moving with me. I couldn't make out her face across the bank, the distance distorting the features, but I noticed the way her clothes billowed around her caught in a non-existent breeze. Hello! I called across the water, the baby's cries shrill against my voice. Shadows danced across my peripheral vision, my feet stuck against an imaginary sponge floor. The woman doesn't respond. Against my drumming heart, I call out to her again. Are you okay? The woman stepped forward, feet on the concrete lip of the canal, her hands clutching at the air in front of her. Her hair floating out around her head, her mouth moving, the dark exterior on show before snapping shut, like a fish gasping for air. Do you need help? I call. My scalp prickled. I pulled the child closer into my body as I moved back towards the pram. It's when I lay my child down, I notice she is no longer crying. Instead, there is a tiny smile across her rapid breaths. I ran my finger across her cheek. The tears press at the corners. When I turn, ready to leave, the woman no longer stands across from me. Instead, the space is menacing. The unreality, the emptiness too real. Crackling in my ears like a distorted frequency. It's easy to imagine the last trace of the woman still occupying the moment. Each of my steps, rolling forward with the cushioned rubber of the pram's wheels until I reach the edge of the bank myself and peer into the unfathomable murk, afraid of what I'll see. There's only the shimmering of the sun's dying light, dazzling lines of white across the film of water. I noticed more. The reflection of an overhanging plant is visible, squeezing its way to life through the tightly packed mortar of the pathway. I leaned closer, a throbbing beat inside my head grew louder, my legs a jellied mess beneath my body. At first it was an outline, 
rising from below. Only a few centimeters of the water was clear enough to make out any detail. That's where the body lay. A tangled heap of hair flowed across her face. The tendrils, a shade darker than my own, swept forward across her open mouth and obscured her eyes, working against the flow of the water. Her fingers, arms reached out, grasping towards me as she floated. I fell back, not able to see anymore. My shoes scraped against the ground, propelling me backwards to give me as much distance from the bank as possible. I clutched at air before taking hold of the buggy's handle, unable to unlock my stair. At any moment I expected to see the woman levitate into view, its thin arms dragging a connected torso out of the water. There I sat, gasping, my lungs struggled to get air, fighting as I spluttered uncontrollably. I was on my feet, backing away with my hands controlling the handle. My eyes never left the canal as I started back through the underpass. That was the worst part. The stillness of it all suffocated me as though it had always been like this and nothing had happened at the waterside any movement any sound was with me after I left I could imagine the emptiness of it all existing for nobody to see before I stood on the edge there were only vacated towpaths and the secrets of the water's muddy depths I called the police the moment I got home. I couldn't have done it any sooner. Emma needed feeding. After this, she fell back to sleep. A small patch of vomit splashed against my shoulder. I sat, listening to Simon snore and Emma's breath against the folds of my arm. They created a rhythm, washing over me like lapping water, my muscles unpicking through dizzying weariness. I collapsed deeper into the sofa. I didn't have the energy to lay her down. Instead, I remained seated in our living room, submerged in darkness, haunted by the things I hadn't done. I let the numbing calmness drown me. I wondered if the police would ever find a body. hope you enjoyed today's episode of the other stories things not done was written by jt shields narrated by alexandra elroy edited by carl hughes with music by daniel birch and tom robson the sound effects provided by freesound.org the episode illustration is provided by luke spooner of carry on house if you enjoyed the story head over to jtshields.com to follow more of the author's work Alexandra Elroy is a bilingual voice actress and writer who lives in the Netherlands. She loves everything to do with stories, especially creative and playful horror. Her favourite voices to do are witches, goblins and crazy computers. When she's not voicing, writing or mummying, which is all the time really, she directs plays that she adapted from classic novels such as Pride and Prejudice, Death on the Nile and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She also has a BA in Japanese language and culture and a film and photographic studies master. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver to support the show. You can join our book club and movie club and get involved with the writing prompts over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts and mugs and posters and comics are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. The Other Stories is a production of The Story Studio. 
Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you for Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.